0: Hey gamers, some of the crew went to Gen Con this year and we recorded an episode at a live event. So this episode is going to be filled with a whole bunch of noise and people talking in the background. That's because we're at a private party that we were invited to and we participated in some stuff. But then we took some time out of that party just for you guys and gals. Uh, So we spent about an hour talking. Um, Two things about this. Uh, One of the things is, is that... When we started recording, I hadn't realized that I I had not set the mic input for Audacity on the good mic, so the sound is kind of crappy. There's a lot of background noise, and and you don't hear us quite as well, but that's only for about five or six minutes. As soon as I realized that I stopped the recording, clicked it over to that mic, started the recording again, so you're going to hear right around the six-minute mark uh, a jump in the um, quality. It's going to get much better, and then... Uh, a little bit after that, Trav is going to join us. He uh, he was on his way over. Um, we had to start the show because it was getting late. We had to start the show before he got there. So I don't know. It's about 10 minutes in or so. He jumps into the conversation. Well, that's enough of my jibber jab. Get ready for another great episode of the Tri-Tag Podcast <laughs> Welcome to the Funkalicious Funktastic Tri-Tact Games.
1: Podcast, Your podcast of going all the way to Indiana to make your games better.
0: And we're recording live from Gen Con. Gen Con
1: 2013.
0: So what's our topic tonight, Bruce?
1: Our topic tonight is things we found at Gen Con that'll make your game even better. Because that's what we're all about.
0: That's true. So, uh, let's start with, Bruce, you ran a couple games, and did you play in any games?
1: I played in a Dread game... Uh, I also played in, uh, it, was, it was one of the new zombie games, okay. um, and this was their supplement where it's in space.
0: Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw that. Uh, they had, uh, th- th- was that the one where they had the, the, the gas mask and the t-shirt? Yes. And, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, it,
1: they have their own system. It's not, you know, the, uh, they're not licensing somebody else's system.
0: Right. Zombie survival, like an ultimate zombie survival right. plan game.
1: Yeah. See, the, their their main system, their main game, uh, it, it like all flesh must be eaten, is is where you sit down and you generate the type of zombies you want in your campaign, and then you get, then go from there. So this is a, a campaign setting in space that utilizes the zombies. Essentially, you are creating using the base game hunters. What's that? The hunters. And
0: it's it's the I think the game is your zombie survival plan will fail.
1: Yes, they're definitely saying that. Right. But this is in space, so you know it's it's more of a high-tech setting, and they said they had to change a a bunch of their rules to work in the high-tech setting because it's really more of a science fiction survival versus a a straight horror survival. Like you know, I mean, you you mostly want to have. Zombies that are make sense scientifically, right? So they're going to be viral zombies, and they're going to be uh, nano zombies, and they're going to be psychic zombies. You know, versus, you know, supernatural zombies, which, you know, uh, where you have like a big chunk of somebody's leg missing yet they're still walking around.
0: Right. So you played in that? How'd it go?
1: Okay. Um, the game itself is a D100 system game, so there are. Uh, very, there are great successes and huge failures, and you don't. It's not a, a game where you generally feel confident very often because you can have these crashing failures very easily because you're rolling a d100 you know, versus games where you roll three d6, four d6, and you, you, it creates a bell curve where you're mostly always going to hit in the middle. If that's where if that's where your success is supposed to be, then you're going to be successful most of the time. Okay. So yeah, it, it's it's. It's not what we'd call heroic, okay? right? Okay, but it's uh, it also creates an air of uncertainty, which works well in a horror game where you know you never know when suddenly something's going to fail that you were counting on.
0: Right, right. So what did you? What do you think you could pull out of that for uh, making a, a Tricat game better?
1: Okay, well, miss
0: um, this, this reeks of Bureau Thirteen.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, and of course, it, it could also be used. In FTL twenty four forty eight, I'm oh, sure yeah, because it's a sci fi, right? Right, right. Sci fi setting, okay. Right. In this particular case, the scenario was that we were we were prisoners who were being shipped out to uh, be slaves on Mars. And right. This happened, and we're basically in control of the ship, very much like incursion okay? Anyways, um, the uh, in but what we what I found out in the game was is that the GM was totally unprepared for somebody who actually plays Bureau 13, because I know all the tricks. Okay. So I was constantly avoiding the zombies, you know, instead of them like, being a big threat all the time, we were constantly avoiding them and surviving, when I think we should have been losing about half the party halfway through the game. Right. So uh, the, the, so my what I would say, what I got out of it was, is, is that... Um, if you're playing a zombie survival game being a good Bureau 13 agent really helps you out right? because you learn the tricks, you learn how to do things. Also, um, don't be... uh, uh, the the tactic of you see a zombie, you've got to shoot it, bad tactic. Right. Okay? Because the worst thing that happens in zombie games is you get swarmed. And almost every time when you a situation where you're attacking a zombie and there's more zombies around, they get to move in on you. Right. So our tactic was primarily fall back, find a choke point, and then as they come through, try to take them out with everybody, combining on that one zombie. Right. And that worked very effectively. So in the game, I didn't find anything in the game that was really great as far as that was concerned, but it was, uh, as far as there was like a mechanic or anything in the game. Because right. it was all D D 100, and our most of our ability scores and, and, and skill scores were the 50s, the 70s. Right. So you know it was pretty a- it was pretty much like playing a tri tag game using the old rules. Okay. Okay. Um, it was and you could uh, we didn't get t- we didn't take too much damage either, so I can't really remember the damage mechanic very much. You know, we were smart enough to avoid getting bitten or anything like that. So, uh, but other than that, uh, like I said, it was it was fun. Uh, right. I actually had, uh, the game itself I thought would have been more high-tech because it was supposed to happen after the singularity where man and machine becomes kind of indistinguishable, you know, like Ghost in the Shell and other things like that. Right. And it really, and and we were playing straight humans, you know, not really even modified humans, so.
0: And did they have that in the game?
1: It's in the game. Uh, uh, but we didn't really have it in our bigger demo, so I didn't get to see what that, that, that might be, a, I was kind of hoping for that because I wanted to be fighting zombies with, you know, nanobots and, and, and cyborg arms. So yeah, go ahead, bite my cyborg arm all you want, zombie, you're not going to affect me. I didn't get a chance to do that.
0: Right, right. It would been kind of cool to send an army of nanobots to eat the zombies, you know. That...
1: Right. <laughs> Those are a lot of things I kind of hope for. But just the fact that you have parts that can you can basically lose, too. You know, right. You can
2: invite like, it and just drop it off and
1: keep on going. Just, you know, Or you can download your your mind into a computer to escape the room you're in and get a re- and get your body reconstructed in another room your right. mind downloaded into that. So all those would have been really cool to have if it wasn't the scenario we were in. But it's in the game.
0: So, uh, so, um, so, Steve, yeah. what would you play that, that you think you could use for a TriTech game?
2: I'd say Robotech Tactics. I got Darn to, it, that's the one uh, I was going to use. But go ahead, <laughs> I'll talk with you about that one. All right, well, it was um, the demo on that was excellent. And the way the system is set up, I think it could be easily converted to most uh, role-playing systems. Being going out on the fringe paths and finding the world with Mecha... Having a system like that to add into your uh, Fringeworthy game, I think, would be a great addition.
0: Yeah, I think uh, one of the things I noticed about it, or, or, I, I feel that would make it very easy to use in other systems, is that it's really simple, but like not too simple. Like it's good. It's there's enough to it that it's fun to play the Mecca, uh, but you could easily convert a Savage Worlds character into it because the ships themselves have a few stats, and you just replace the, you replace them with your your dice and. Mm-hmm. You, you, there you go, because
1: yeah, um, the mecha aren't any more skilled than the pilot.
0: Right, right. So you, and, and basically it has you know every mecha has a, 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 an attack skill and a defense skill. We just replaced those with the, the Savage Worlds uh, mechanics, I, pilots, right? Yeah. And then um, what well, they had attack strengths, but that only that only referred to the the mecha, so you keep that the same. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I think. Uh, I think they would, that would translate over very easily. So pretty much plug and play. Plug and play, I think. Yes,
2: definitely. The other thing that was really nice about it was you were able to have a uh, very intense combat that was over in a matter of minutes. So yeah. we we had a combat with eight mecha involved in it, and within ten minutes the battle was over. Okay,
1: so May- to maintain that fast and furious concept we said Yes. Yeah, sure. I,
0: I think though, in all you know, in all fairness, we were battling battle pods. And battle pods generally tend to pop like, you know, like, like that, water balloons. That is true. But still, I mean, I could see where, you know, looking looking at the, the Veritex that we had, if I had gone up against Steve, it would have been pretty quick anyway. You yeah. know, one yeah. way or another. One
2: way. Uh,
1: yeah, space combat is probably one of the hardest things for any system to resolve. And a lot of people, they just put entirely different systems for space combat versus everything else. Right. You know, uh, because otherwise you're doing just a ton of hand-waving. Because because if you don't do a ton of hand waving now you're doing Starfleet battles and that takes forever.
0: Right, right. I only played two games here because I was busy doing all the media stuff and press stuff. Uh, we just, I, although I'm gonna I'm gonna use the card game we just played, Xenophile. All right. So, I, it, it's an adult <laughs> game. It's wacky, right? Yeah. But at the same time, I think much like the way uh, you have your drama cards, right? Uh, you could you could have like interpretation. So if you wanted to have like a fun. Crazy game, and I would say, uh, what was it uh, a, a bimbo? Uh,
2: Macho it? women with guns.
0: Macho yeah. women with guns. And,
1: okay. And, and Beach bunny bimbos and blasters. Ba- Beach bunny yeah.
0: bimbos and blasters. I, that's what I was thinking of. This would be a perfect add-on for that because there would be ways to bring that in. You know, you look at the cards, you'd say, and maybe maybe it's like a, a lot of DM. You know, game master caveat. You'd say, well, I want to play this, and the game master look at it and go, all right, well. um all right, uh, the two naked girls show up, or or, or or the girl that's with you starts taking her clothes off because they had the, the one where you have discard clothing, or, or maybe even uh, well I'm gonna I'm gonna use this uh, and I'm gonna take my shirt off, which distracts the enemy and gives me an extra die of defense or something like that.
1: And one of the thing, reasons, uh, well I'm sorry, uh, when I was looking at uh, the, the the a lot of the products that were in the deals room again, you know, there weren't that many. Products actually for role playing games. Uh, role playing games is a, is a relatively small part of the dealer's room here at Gen Con. However, what I did see was a ton of car games. And like Xenophile, it made me start thinking, well, there are a lot of tasks that occur in role-playing games, uh, you know, net running, uh, hacking computers, lock picking, crafting, and stuff like that. That you know, usually you just rig die rolls and things like that, and they're not very interesting. If we were to replace some of these with actually car games, creating mini games within our role-playing games, it might it might make these bigger tasks a lot more interesting. Right. So if you are trying to craft a fine sword and you're playing you know, one of these car games like Xenophile, it might make you know heating up the the iron a lot more interesting, and, and you know, and, and basically crafting a superior product might be the result of you actually winning the game.
0: Right. Right. So
1: you and and uh, you could you could either do this against the GM. Or against a just a, a, a number that you had to reach within so many turns. Right. Or you could even say, okay, everybody around the table, everybody has to have a task, and then we'll go and we'll play the game. At the end of it, we'll see how well everyone did. Someone's got a oh, so you've got a magic sword, okay? You were able to uh, uh, win the, the the queen's favor. You over there? Oh, sorry, you know you you lost, okay? You you got arrested. You're now right. in the town jail for doing something unsavory. Right. So your reputation has been ruined. So you could use a, a game like that as a minigame to affect, to make a general or even a sweeping change in the adventure you're running.
0: Right, right. You know, one thing we can talk about, so this isn't something I played, but Steve and I interviewed, um, uh, what's his name, Shane Shane from Pinnacle. Yeah. So, so we interviewed the people from Pinnacle, and they have a new product that's just out, fresh off the press. It's called um, Deadlands Noir. So it's Deadlands... But it's in the twenties and thirties, right? And the assumption is, I believe it's the assumption is, is that they lost, that the, the bad guys won, in that, Deadlands.
2: That the bad guys won, and that it now the society is trying to rebound from this. Okay.
1: Right. And so the bad guys basically become the the the, the wise guys, the uh, you know the, the the various criminal bosses. Mm-hmm.
0: So where where this comes in, where this would be really good for like a fringe worthy campaign is. Uh, if you had Deadlands as your Prime, right, this could be one of the alts because it very easily be one of the alts of the uh, of the Prime. And it would be a nice way to transition that because it's made to be transitioned to that. But then, I mean, you could take some of the other uh, um, uh, Savage Worlds products and put them in the alts as well for Deadlands. I'm trying to think of... Um,
1: well, there's Rippers.
0: Rippers, sure. Rippers yeah. would work. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: there's, well, of course, there's Deadlands. There's uh, I, uh, Weird War.
0: Oh, and there's the Weird War Road yeah. that
1: they're
0: working
2: on. Well, also, that um, that, that uh, company has uh, Weird War, which is World War Two with right. all the chaos. Oh, and and, and they're that, working on Weird War One.
0: And don't forget, there's also, they have uh, After Ragnarok.
2: That's right. Yeah. So that would
0: be another cool alt for that. Yeah. So you could have kind of like your... your uh, your Deadland, your you know the, your official Savage Worlds uh, right. node, mm-hmm. you know, and have all the all the all the Savage Worlds products, right. the pinnacle ones. The pinnacle node is what we could call it. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> and this is basically the same idea we said back when we first released the D twenty Modern product. We said, look, all these D twenty products that are out there, look, you know, they're they're available to be your alts everywhere. You know, you've got now hundreds. You know, and of course, according to Trap, multiple hundreds of uh, alternate worlds out there that you could use. You know, as your based upon D20 products, right. D20 settings. So now, you know, now that we're moving towards Savage Worlds, hopefully you guys have been enjoying all that with the D20. Uh, that we're, we now can go and start mining all of those other Savage Worlds products, as we've encouraged them to also go and put Fringeworthy in their games.
0: Right, and I'm also thinking about, um, you know, so you have Deadlands, right? Right. Uh, so for Bureau 13, they're talk- uh, Rich is starting to work on or he's been planning on working on the, the gas, what was it, uh, by Gaslight or what was yeah, it? Uh, it
1: was, yeah, Bureau 13 Gaslight, yeah.
0: So I could see, you know, if you wanted to, you could use Deadlands as the Wild West uh, of Gaslight. Because Gaslight is what was eighteen something or other.
1: Probably the eighteen nineties. Yeah. All
0: right. So there's there's still some Wild West out there. Yeah. Even as late as the eighteen nineties. Oh yeah.
1: It didn't it didn't actually really disappear until just after um uh, like the nineteen hundreds. Right. You know, back basically when the, the the Model T started rolling into the the Western towns, that was it. Right. Yeah.
0: So like, I, I think uh, the movie with Bruce Willis, uh, Last Man Standing. That's right. Right. right? That, would, that movie would probably be a good example of the death of the Wild West. That's pretty much that, that turning point where, the, where, okay, Wild West is pretty much dead now. Yeah. But that's not until, you know, 1910-ish, 20,
1: yeah, somewhere saying, in yeah. there. Yeah. You know, the so, whole Briscoe County Junior yeah. series was all about that transition to the modern age.
0: And it was the railroad that pretty much did a good chunk of that.
1: Yeah, well, the railroad brought all of those new ideas from the East into the West.
0: Which is where Deadlands, I mean, Deadlands is real big on the building the railroad out that way. Right. So, yeah, you could, you could use that, um, and then you could even, if you were going to run a campaign for a little while, you could even say, hey, we're transitioning into the noir, and you could even take those two and say, hey, I'm going to run this campaign in between the two. Sure. So that, that's pretty cool that they're coming out with that. that. Well, that one's out. Um, what do you say the 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 Rome one? The that Rome one. They're was working a Kickstarter on. that just yes. finished up, right?
2: And they're also working on a modern one. A modern. Oh, oh, they are. Okay, that's the college one they was talking about. Oh the yeah,
0: college the college. college. Right. Right. Yeah. And that would, right. So they were talking about a, uh, um, a, a sort of a Buffy ish, kind of thing.
2: It's it's in Texas. Right. It's uh it's East Texas. Eight- East Texas University. Okay. Uh, the town itself, strange things happen. The closer you get to the university, the stranger the things are. And the college itself has a very high dropout rate, rate with quotations around it. Yeah, and the
1: people <laughs> just disappear and don't come back. Right, right. yeah.
2: So, and uh, the concept behind it is you have to manage your grade point average while hunting monsters and possibly holding down a job.
1: Uh huh.
0: So, I don't know how well that would tie into a TriTac product.
1: It's certainly could going to be used as a setting sure. for one of the Bureau yeah. uh, for Fringe Yeah,
0: maybe uh, maybe that's your mission is to um, make contact with one of those college students because okay. they're Fringe
1: Right, and and you know as we talked about Beach Buddy Bimbos with blasters as being a a prelude for a Bureau, thir- uh, a bureau thirteen team, you could also use you know. Uh, a group from that college forming their own Bureau 13 team after being contacted by the Bureau. Right. So you still you can start off with that setting and transition them into full-time work for the Bureau. So, we are now joined by Mr. Polatsky. Hello, hello. Quite the walk. <laughs> right. He's, he's actually sweating. He so, should be. He walked all the way from the, the JW, other, si- the other yeah. side of the moon, which is also known as the JW. All
0: right, so that, that's the beauty of Gen Con, you know. Uh, there's so much going on, everything is spread out. Spread out. So, so Trav, what we're talking about, to catch Trav up, Yes. Uh, we're talking about things that you've played or seen at Gen Con that would help any Tri game.
3: I was in an adventure that had to do with a ocean liner. Owned by a cult, and they used a lot of special effect, mimetic, illusions to help fool people on the ship. That would work in a Bureau 13 game. So what was this game that you played? Do you remember?
1: Remember the system? <laughs> the system? It, it
3: was D20 Modern, so it would work well with Bureau 13. Oh, so yeah, okay, yeah,
0: that would go right over.
3: The name escapes me, but basically, yeah, the ocean liner was owned by a, well, a church. I'm not going to get into what church they modeled after but they took them to various parts of the ship, and the, the distances didn't add up. Okay. And there was a lot of illusions that were used to mess with time and perception and angle and motion. So as I said, a Bureau 13 game could benefit from something like that. Somebody with extremely high tech to cause these weird effects.
0: So like, oh, uh, who's the big bad guy in Bureau 13? Well, that would be Matthias Ma- Bolt. Matthias Bolt. So maybe that's Matthias Bolt's yacht. <laughs> Well,
1: a liner, it, yeah, he would call that a yacht. Yeah. Right. yeah, well, it just depends on what your reason you're doing it for, okay? I mean, it could be done for a positive way. You spend so much time trying to find your cabin, you arrive at your location.
0: <laughs> or oh, and maybe it's some kind of, uh, or you could, you could turn that around, flip that around completely. Maybe it's a, a Bureau 13 mobile fortress or more mobile
1: base, so it can even be a mobile jail, where just the same idea that you get put on the ship. It's like being in an, uh, a, the classic maze where you can't find your way out, so you can't escape. So it's like it's like that scene. What was it? Uh, what
0: was it? The um, The Shining, where he's running down the hall, mm. and yeah. the hall just kept growing longer and growing longer. And growing. So what else did you play?
3: Well, I got to play that. Then I ran my own game. I just.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, that was the only game I.
0: So that's the only game you got to play.
2: Well, you could also use it as a uh, Hotel California, trapping right. people. Right. No no magic or mystical stuff going on whatsoever. It's just a way of kidnapping people to sell them off somewhere.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, mythology <laughs> and a lot of fun with playing, you know, uh, you know, locations that that move, islands that move because you got lost. The whole right. thing was about an island that moved, okay, and the people wanted who are finding layers and layers of stuff, okay? Uh, you know, most, you know, this wouldn't be a good Bureau 13 setting because, unless you really wanted to take forever, because, right. you know, that, but if you wanted to, to run uh, a Savage World game that had that, uh, that would be okay. Usually, in the case of where, if you had such a world like this, a Bureau 13 or Fringeworthy, the, you know, the team's job would be to find it, you know, and, and you know, it's, and, it's, and rescue them. You know, much like by adventure, where they're uh, on the island and it's like Gilligan's Island. You know, some some southern town, okay? Yeah. And
0: you're investigating the town, and you notice there's an abnormal number of teeth missing. Even 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 for the south. <laughs> Sorry, southern people. I'm not oh. picking on you. I'm just being
3: funny. All right? right. So I'm not tired the... enough to wince from that one, folks. Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but <laughs> so what it turns out is is that the the Every, for every level of corruption somebody is, they're losing teeth. That's a side effect. So if you can figure it out, you, you have to find the old lady, maybe not even the old lady. That wouldn't be fair. So the young lady with the least amount of teeth, and she's the spawn of it all.
2: That's true. That, that could work. But, you know, losing the teeth thing spawned something while you were talking. Okay. You could go with, like, the Stephen King novel, Tommy Knockers, where the alien spaceship, everybody who got magic powers from the spaceship, started losing their teeth from the radiation. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. And it was all part of an alien invasion.
0: Right. But it's in the Deep South. Yes. And you would use that game to generate the names of the people that you run into and how many teeth they
2: yep, have. Yep, you could do that, definitely. Okay. <laughs> and you could even actually, the board has these awesome <laughs> events on it. You could actually roll dice and utilize those events to affect the characters as obstacles. Yeah. Like uh, your truck breaks down or uh, or some hillbilly challenges you to a race. If you don't accept the race, you get into a gunfight or a fistfight with them. Right.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, really, if you want to, you can play the game as you're doing the adventure and it provides all the side stories. You just have this one main track that you're trying to finish the mission. Meanwhile, these are all things that you end up getting distracted on, and have to deal with. Like a side, side quest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's normal. You know, I mean, they have you know, they have great things like go to family reunion, lose three teeth. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that could be like a clue in the game. Somebody says, Yeah, I went to the family. I went to my family reunion last week, and three of my teeth fell out. Well, then, oh wait a minute, what family do you belong to? Right, right, right
1: absolutely,
0: right. Leave all wanna,
2: your clues right there. It, yeah. it, it would
0: be one of his. Maybe it's one of his cousins. Is mm-hmm. the uh, the progenitor
1: of the the sickness? Right. <laughs> or you, or you could. <laughs> yes, attract-
0: we're talking about a redneck adventure in Bureau Thirteen. Right. Did I just just blow your? Uh- <laughs>
1: right yeah, blow brain
0: cell there, or, or, or
1: you can turn around exactly opposite and these poor people are being preyed upon by an insane tooth fairy
0: uh, oh.
1: Oh, oh, oh oh like the that's, Hellboy oh. oh that's good oh, that's,
0: nice. that's nice. good yeah the, 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 I can see it now the, the, the party comes in and, and the tooth fairy is over top of somebody and, he, and he's, he's Hit them with, with some kind of dust to anesthetize him, and he pulls out his little pliers and he's yanking away and pulling teeth out. <laughs> going, I've been
1: working on the railroad. <laughs> oh, uh,
0: so, did, Trav, did you get into the the um, vendor room much? Did you get a oh chance yeah, to Oh, yeah, yeah.
3: I think I got in a little too much.
0: Did you see anything really cool that maybe you uh, might want to use for a game? Oh,
3: um, oh like, yeah. Uh, Blix and I attended the Emmys along with uh, Nick Palmer who we interviewed on a previous podcast he got nominated I forget which category
0: uh, best electronic product
3: yes well anyways a friend of mine a fellow game designer Jonathan Thompson of Battlefield Press put out a book Eldritch Skies which won the judges oh yeah best. Yep. yeah basically it's the Cthulhuoid invasion asked, well for Bureau 13 Cthulhu right the humans managed to salvage Cthulhu tech.
1: It's Cthulhu. 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 Yes. <laughs> Cthulhu. Cthulhu tech.
3: <laughs> and use it to propel their science forward, like explore the stars. Yeah, nothing can go wrong there. That would be a perfect thing because you could have Brotherhood of Darkness. Matthias Bolt all of a sudden start dealing with that and Bureau agents are going, wait a minute, these guys got way more powerful stuff than they should be. And then find out Bolt's tapping into that.
0: Yeah, so you show up with your your bureau tech, right? And then his felt you know, his crew's got some other kind of tech that's, that's surpassing weird your tech. Bio weird, biocide,
3: yeah. techno
1: magic. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, you got a guy who's got a he's got a gun on the end of his hand and tentacles running up his arm from yeah, the exactly. gun.
1: Yeah, yeah, or, you know, or, or like they used in um, uh, oh the new flesh um, uh, video drone. Okay. And you know, as he watched these as he watched these videos his body changed and parts of him started growing weird and he finally he finally like reaches inside his own gut and pulls out his hand and on the end of his hand is some biomechanical weapon oh I, so, I never saw that movie yeah it's a it's a it's a real mind blower okay yeah. so it's uh it's it's really it does hold up uh it's, you know you can look past the whole using videotapes you know versus dvds and stuff Okay. But, you know, James Wood was in it. Um oh, yeah, uh, Deborah Harry from Blondie.
0: So I wonder could you could you use Blasphemous
2: Cocktails for for play? Absolutely. Blasphemous Cocktails has rules for Savage Worlds and D twenty in it for getting drunk. I oh, used them in the
3: game I ran. Did you? Awesome. Oh yeah, and I, I hawk the book and everything, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, you start drinking this dwarven ale and then they get out the corn squeezings and just yeah, he was failing rolls.
0: All right, so so we, yeah, got, we got we got Stephen Wallet here, and he's he's uh, written a book called Blasphemous Cocktails, and it does have Savage Worlds rules for drinking. It also has D twenty rules for drinking, yes.
2: so it works for both versions. And the Savage World rules are the official rules from the New Noir version of Deadlands. Right,
0: he got he got them sent to him from Pinnacle
2: yes. and put them in the book. So uh,
0: you could very much use that if you got, especially if you're playing a character. Oh, and that's one of the things they said about the Noir. One of the, the new things they were putting in that was that was the one where you could play the character who, who uh, benefits off his vices.
2: I must have missed that. Okay,
0: well, so I think uh, they had two new character types in there. And one of them uh, has some kind of... Uh, uh, he draws his magical ability off of his vices. Mm-hmm. So like gambling... Drinking, sex—sounds
3: like a drunken master type
0: thing, right? Exactly that too. Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah.
3: what
2: I was thinking. So I'm thinking that the drinking rules would come in real handy with that. Absolutely, yeah. the um, the rules that are in the game are—they're simple. I mean, it's just a simple modification to the game. But most games don't have any way of dealing with alcohol. It's uh, make a health roll or a constitution roll, and that's it. Right. So I'm I'm really happy with the book, and I think that it'll benefit everybody's game, no matter what system they're using. Plus, it's got a lot of flavor for the the, uh, drinks. So we're we're
0: saying that the bad guys have won. Oh, this is perfect. Wait a minute. The bad guys won, right? Yes. And they're very Cthulhu-esque. Yes. So... You go into one of their bars or one of the bars that's influenced by them, and of course they would have drinks like Cthuga's balls or
2: absolutely or, uh, or um, Black Death or, or Ambrosia of Yaga. Right, now
1: or, I know this isn't very PC, okay? But can these rules be used for seduction? Absolutely.
2: They um, would have to modify some of the existing rules, but yes.
1: Okay. Well, i was just thinking. You know, every every you know. 13 is kind of a spy game. Mm-hmm. And James Bond is it gets a lot of his information through the seduction of people. And there's usually alcohol involved. Right. So if it will add toward that seduction role or that success, I think it would be probably a good addition.
2: Well, with uh, the different role sets that are in there, most of them do affect willpower or resistance. Okay. The more alcohol you consume, the lower those stats right. tend to go down. Your persuade skill becomes...
1: Yep. It, effectively more better. Yes. Absolutely. More better. Yeah. As long <laughs> as you're <laughs> more, not the one getting it's late. It's late. I know <laughs> right, come on. It's Saturday wow. night at Gen Con. This is just like the last year. Yeah, well we were we were even more tired then. yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I, I just finished running a game I think when we did this. Yeah, yes. Like Trav, I mean, I don't know about you, and I don't know about our, our listeners, but after I finish running a game after like four hours, right. I need like a little bit of downtime. Oh, sure. Because yeah. my brain has just suddenly, it's, you, know, it's, it's like, you know, it's like a racehorse. And, and, he, and all of a sudden you just stop them under the lot and you just kind of wanders around a bit and falls over dead. That's right. kind of how I feel after I, I play a role playing game like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I had a three and a half block walk plus going through the convention center to find my friend Habibi, who is in a magic tournament right now. So, yeah, I've done quite a bit of walking. I'm still a little winded, folks.
1: Right. Uh, forgive me. But right. yeah, that was my downtime. Yeah. So, But this has been or I have a nice, nice evening. We're playing cards, having dinner. So you know, I'm I'm probably much better this way for Trav over here. So yeah. we yeah. appreciate you
3: being here, Trav. I, I really wanted to attend. I Trooper Habibi to come, but she magic. That's her thing. She's down here. Okay, fine. All right, but no, the business. So hey, everybody's got to follow come. their
1: passions. I mean, well, you know, life is drudgery gr- is mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, I got to say, uh, uh, Robert here is the. Uh, is the trooper tonight because uh steve bruce and i had a chance to really unwind and relax and we're all yeah nice and relaxed and-
3: yeah i ran a five-hour game the uh fringeworthy d20 in the pathfinder setting so and then the walk and so yeah i've been pretty much kind of a buzz
1: since i don't know what the past six hours now well you're, you're gonna have to give us a report on that at some point it, so, whenever your your brain gets back. You know? Yeah, well, this, I already did a dry
3: run at a previous gaming convention in Adrian, Michigan, Picon, so the, that was the dry runs, and then this was the. And it went much better, yes, because right. I tweaked some things in between. So, all right. yes.
1: so th- this convention, I've run Bureau 13 and also Fringeworthy, and tomorrow morning I'll be running Hardwire land before I jump in the car and drive all the way back to Atlanta. So I'm gonna be the one suffering tomorrow, I think. Oh yeah, oh no,
2: I... yeah,
1: yeah, because I only got a five-hour
3: drive back up to Detroit,
0: so. So we were at the innies, and we got to see a lot of, of stuff that we may not have known about because they were giving out all the awards and everything. Oh, and you yeah. Get to see all the stuff. Yeah. One of the the things that was I so cool. It,
1: yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. And, and, and he's, you know, tell us the great products that you found out about then. Right.
0: Well, that's that's where I was going with that. So one of the games that that won, for your your. Um, Medieval worlds, you know, fantasy worlds or whatever. They had a, uh, a book called the NBC Codex.
3: Yeah, for Pathfinder by uh, Paizo Publishing. Basically, every class, every level, 1 to 20. Uh, my, a, pers-
1: a person, as right. an example?
3: Yeah, um, yeah, you could have a 10th... <laughs> What did they say? temple of a commoner. Yeah, the best sheep farmer in the world. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: right. Yeah, the the the, the uh, prince of sheep farming. Yes, right. that's right. And it,
0: I think his name was Jay Libby, was it? Oh. oh. <laughs> it was either that or Ben Gerber. I mean, we're talking sheep here.
3: <laughs> it's not friendship out of nicey, folks. It's friendship <laughs> out of blackmail. He, they all know too much about it. Right.
0: One. All right, so then another one that won, and that was a gold winner, and this is another gold winner for best RPG-related product. And that category I really don't understand because that is so broad. I mean, yeah, whatever. Anyway. I mean, that
1: includes card games, that includes dice tokens, that right, includes but, anything, yeah. But,
0: but this this one fell under other categories, too. But it was the uh, Cobalt Guide to World Building. Oh,
3: yeah, this was written by, like, the biggies in the industry, Wolfgang Parr, Keith Baker, Jeff Grubb, and if you don't know these names, people... You don't you're know re- gaming. Right, right, exactly. And this book, I was amazed with this when Blix and I and uh, Nick Palmer were there. This book is now used as a college textbook in like, science fiction classes to create science fiction worlds. Right. This was beyond Wolfgang Parr accepted the award for it. He's like, yeah, this was above and beyond anything we had hoped for this book to be. We right. just wanted to make a book on how to make a game world, and now it's being used in colleges. Right. right. It's it's,
1: like a, it's being used as a college textbook for some classes. Right. Yes. Well, if you if you write if you do it right, you know, so that things are logical and supported, then why wouldn't it? Be? Verisimilitude, yes. Yeah, it should certainly, you know, uh, support, you know, what we would consider to be the best ideas about how such a thing would be possible
0: so i'm looking at some of these other ones i right, said so for the 20 for, for the d20 version of, of our stuff right uh roll 20 was best software so i imagine that's something we could use because that's sort of like an, uh, an electronic uh game helping area. yeah
3: because um one of my fellow djs on dementia radio known as breakman z is currently involved in he's been in a couple pathfinder campaigns and they use roll 20 because it's all via skype he's in like central pennsylvania and the rest of the group are all over the country so yeah, for dice rolling and I suppose keeping track of initiative, that's about my level familiar, World 20, but yeah, he that could be used for Bureau 13 or a they
0: campaign. All right. Now, I also want to add to that, um, one of the ones that was not nominated for, uh, I guess, what was it, best website, best software, well, and they've won it before, was Obsidian Portal. And those guys were here and we talked with them uh, a little bit. Uh, Steve and I use it John, John Ryer uses it for his campaign okay. um, But it's, it's a uh, It's a campaign aid So it's like a w- you build like a wiki for your campaign aid Right. Um, and I, you know what Steve You did the most work on that okay. Why don't you talk a little bit about Obsidian Portal Because I think it's something that our fans Could well, really get into
2: Well Obsidian Portal it, it absolutely it is a wiki It's a place where you can build your world uh, You need to learn a little bit of programming code But they have a lot of stuff on there To help you do it Um, an hour of work and you'll have it down how to do it. You can create everything that you need for making the campaign world your characters, your items they have map functions, they recently had a kickstarter which they've raised a fair amount of money on that is allowing them to expand the areas where the site was weak. So within the the next year, I believe the site is going to be immensely better than anything else like that that's out there.
1: Because I, I was looking at other things that were there, like fan, fantasy grounds, mm-hmm. and I know that uh, there's a few other ones that are out there that are totally free and, you know, without charges. And you know you do when it comes to things like virtual tables, you do get what you pay for. Okay. Well, well,
2: uh, Obsidian Portal is not a virtual table in any way, shape, or form. Fantasy Ground and Roll20 offer you the, the playground that you can put up on the screen and show the world. I thought
1: you said it had map functions. It, it has
2: map functions, but it's more like for your world. It's a world map that you can put up right. on the site, but it's not a map where you can show where people are moving around not in a dungeon. Not a tactical map. Or yeah. Or anything of that yeah. it's nature. It's not a
1: tactical map. It's a, cart- but,
2: it's a cartography right. map.
1: Right. But I'm saying, uh, I mean, all the... All they do in, in like fancy grounds is that you import in a map, and then they'll lay down a grid over top of it. At which point okay. you then do stuff. around. They do have a dice roller built into it, but you know it's—I uh, mean, I don't know what functions, and I don't want to misrepresent it. But what I'm saying is, is that I think that uh, from what I've seen, a lot of the products that were available for RPGs, a lot of them were electronic, mm-hmm. and I think that they've really taken big steps up. I mean, you, know, you kept telling me about Obsidian Portal, and I'm sorry that I haven't looked at it more. Uh, for the various games that I do, Uh, because you you won like a a contest for it too, you know. So, I mean, it's one of those things where I I feel like I've been remiss because I think we should be encouraging our players and our people out there who want to start like new games. You know, I think it would be really great for us to set up an Obsidian Portal for Fringeworthy or Bureau 13 that other people could just basically copy and – use it to start their
3: campaigns. You mean oh. all stuff concerning canon of those two games yeah. and then let them extrapolate from there. Okay,
0: yeah. Well, you, yeah. Know, you know, that would be a neat thing to talk to them about. See if there was some way you could build a template that people could start with. So in other words, you start a new campaign, you'd say, well, I want to use the, the guys, they have a French-worthy template, I want to use their template. So you would literally start with our wiki, but it'd be a copy of it.
2: That actually then, would be a good idea. Then they
0: could build on it.
2: They do have uh, the function where you can import character sheets, and once the character sheet's imported, you can keep track of the data.
0: You know, I think as far as the Indies goes, looking at it, I mean, you know, we have our D20 version. There was a lot of D20 stuff in in the Indies.
2: Yeah, Pathfinder, yeah. Quite naturally,
0: Pathfinder. Um, I was just trying to think of anything else that was Pathfinder that...
3: The Inner Sea Bestiary, which I have a copy of that. Um, Okay. Monsters and other things in... uh, Not indicative... They're intrinsic to the Pathfinder setting. Like, they have a stat for an android, because there's a part in the Pathfinder setting where, yeah, they're barbarians, but a spaceship crashed, and so an android might have come out of the spaceship. So they have these very unique monsters that even that they said that uh, during the announcement for them accepting the award, it was, oh, yeah, our, one of our game designers said, yeah, I have this creature with this name on it. Oh, it sounds cool. Throw it in. Then they had to make up stats for it. So, yeah, that's what the Inner Sea Bestiary was. That was another Pathfinder product that won
0: an award. Right, and that, that'd be something you could probably use. I mean, you know, if it's a D20 monster, it's... Well, sure. It's ...you can use it anywhere. As I was say,
1: any D20 product can be used in our current uh, published games.
0: So then, um, so there was a couple settings. Mythic Island, uh, Magnamar, City of Miners. You can always use settings. Right. I mean, you can take any setting and just mine it for its, for its you know... Right. the ...the fluff of it all. You might get a little stuck on some of the creatures you have to convert... But you might be able to find something equivalent in, in, in the vast multitude of the, of the yeah. interwebs. You know, I've
1: never had a problem really converting any monster from any game into another game. You know, unless it was a really high-level monster that had a stat block, a half a page long. You
3: mean via mechanic, from mechanic
1: to mechanic? Yeah, well, basically, just going and saying, I know what I want with this thing, so I'm just going to write it the, the way it seems to feel right. Uh, eyeballing, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: guilty. Yeah, yeah. The, the tough part of that is is your setting, because you've got all these details and stuff. It's like, right. where do they go now? It's like, well, you know, especially if you're running a game and getting a little tired, and you're like, uh, I can't think of anything. I don't, a bar with an elephant on the door, I don't know. Right, but if you had this, you could just look at it, and go, oh, well, this is where you're going, and right. this is what I'm going to use." Yeah,
1: somebody showed me that they in the dealer's room they bought for five bucks the world's biggest city. I don't know, It's D twenty product? I don't know. Well, no, it was,
3: I got it. it was four, originally very thick book, a hundred dollars. I got it for forty. Okay. Yeah, and it's a uh, by AEG. And this city is huge, yeah. And it just—I have the PDF, and I yeah. wanted the book, so I don't have to keep turning my laptop around to show my players. Wait a minute—is
0: this the book that is like super thick, like thicker than most? It yeah, it's like it's like a, like like a like doorstop. Th- yeah, it's a, also, it's a
3: dictionary. Yeah, it is. As I said, it's uh, base price, uh, the list price is $100, but in the dealer's room they're selling it for
1: 40 What's so the name of that? Cause I, I... The world's largest city. Oh, okay. Well, that's a simple yeah. <laughs> Right. And the point is, is that in the world's largest city, you're going to find every NPC you could possibly want. Oh, yes. If it, you know, and, and it's not that hard to translate that very same person into a, into a modern setting. So if you're always having trouble figuring out names and stats for people on the fly, you know, I mean, you know, the guy who's, you know, a metal worker, you know, I mean... You know, the mage could be an electrician, whatever. You know, politicians, of course, are the same no matter what. You know, right. so I, I, it's things like that I think are really easy. It's, it's, and I think it adds a little bit more uh, to your game than simply opening up a, well, gee, you can't even do that anymore. I was going to say opening up a phone book. <laughs> <laughs> a what? Yeah, exactly. You know, with oh, well, the white pages, go to the white pages on
3: whatever. One what? book I got is still in the plastic baggie that was on the stoop of my apartment building. I haven't ripped it open
2: yet. I know, and, of-
0: it, and it's only a half inch thick now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not all
2: that
1: big. Yeah. yeah. So-
2: Along those same lines, I saw a uh, PDF of a product that's coming out in a couple months uh, from Post World Games called Solomon's Guild. I don't okay. know if any of you saw that, but it's a complete Thieves Guild, 200 and some odd pages, identifying every major player in the Thieves Guild, as well as dozens of their followers and how they interact in the city and the politics of the city and with each other.
3: And that okay. would be good in a modern setting, because all you got to do is, from a Thieves Guild to a street gang, or if you really wanted to up it, a criminal syndicate. Right. right.
0: And what are I you mean, talking about yeah, there, Trev? Yeah,
1: working and yeah. bend the nose, the family. The family, right.
0: Friends of ours.
1: Yes. <laughs> right. it's, it's funny how there's still uh, people yeah. staying around on street corners asking for money, just right. like there was back in the Middle Ages. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: And prostitution and all that good stuff. Oh well, yeah. Drug world's use. oldest profession, yeah. Yeah, just replace the laudanum with, uh, with heroin, and you're good to go.
1: S- second oldest. First oldest is wet nurse.
3: failed the will save on trying to stop the humor folks
0: it's late right still sweating here yeah all right, so I mean, I guess it's safe to say that there's Con, It's a gaming con. So it's, I mean, there's oh, yeah. an unlimited amount of stuff you could find right. to, to really,
1: right? And, you know, the, but the number of direct products that were, you know, um, RPGs was a lot, is a lot less than it has been in previous years because the, the gaming population has gone more toward electronics, more toward card games, and so the manufacturers, because you know, it's. Uh, being able to have an actual physical product, you, know, right. it, you really can't justify that it doesn't cost anymore for an RPG. Right. But you, know, you still have to have that for a card game, you definitely need to have it for a board game. So that's one reason why we're seeing a lot more of those. So taking those same products and using them as mini-games to uh, enhance the resolution of tasks that would otherwise be tedious. I think it'd be probably the best usage of some of the stuff I've seen.
0: I did see, there's there one more thing, there's one more thing. Um, I, I didn't actually see these, but being that we were pressed, we're on this. Uh, we got we're on a mailing list from Gen Con from people who, uh, who were like emailing press and saying, hey, come interview us. And I didn't really think this would be a great product until just now, should have gone and looked at it, but it's dice cards. So they're dice, you know, dice have six sides, Yeah. right? So what is it? Uh, six times nine, right? Mm-hmm. Fifty-four. Yep. So there's 54 cards
1: on nine dice. So you get a set of nine dice, and you got your deck of cards. In the Russian booth, um, and they had a booth for all these games from Russia, and one of them was called Evolution. Okay. And it uses you know, pretty uh, pretty substantial scientific principles, and the idea is you and another uh, another player, or actually up to four, I believe, are competing to create the best animal. So you can take your animal, and you can choose to make it a, uh, a parasite and use it to attack somebody else's animal, or you, uh, or, or whatever, and you basically create these animals to succeed, and you end up with something that's not going to pro- that may look like something on Earth, but may not. So you could actually use this to generate alien animals for another world, oh, okay. and for Bureau Thirteen or Fringe really or even hardwired hinterland incursion.
3: Yeah. Incursion. Oh God, yes.
1: Yeah. and FTL, right? Yeah, and it was a fun, easy game. Didn't take very long to play. I'm just saying, it's, it's it's one of those things where you know you could, if you wanted to generate moss, you know, because the charts, you know, in the games, it can be a little dry. You know, so how do we generate a monster? Well, instead of using those charts, rolling a bunch of dice, you could actually play to try to, because if your if your character if your monster wins, you know, your your being wins whatever you do, it's going to be a good competitor. It's gonna be. It, it would be. It would do well in whatever uh, uh, environment or whatever ecology you figured it would be. I, I can see it now. This is evil. All right. So
0: you're the game master, right? And You have the player say, "Hey, we're gonna do something a little little different to begin with tonight. Uh, we're gonna to play this other game for for a few minutes, right? So you play this other game, and the winner creates this crazy monster, right? And the game master goes, "Thanks." <laughs> and later on that night. Guess what you run into. Right,
3: right. And they all just look at the player, and the player's like, what? What? God, just, I didn't what? know. I didn't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm a good player. It's not my fault for doing a good job. No. i made the best monster. Yay. Yay. <laughs> that would be kind of funny.
3: Everybody thank John for ruining the campaign. Kevin is all killed off. <laughs> Thanks, John. Yeah. What do you call this
0: monster? TPK. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> So what do you think? I think that's a, I think that's our show.
1: Sure. Like there's still things that to be found over in the dealer's room tomorrow, but we won't have time to keep it on the podcast. Right. Uh, I, I've uh, I've enjoyed playing being here at Gen Con. It's still the greatest uh, four days of gaming in in America. Oh yeah, this is my first
3: full Gen Con since I was only here like very late Friday night to S- Sunday morning. Right. I've been here since Wednesday night. Me and my friend Habibi. So yeah. We're both. She and I are just both fried because
1: it's an information overload for us both. Right. But fun. Right. And uh, so I do. Uh, I, I hope that next year more of our players will be able to get to Gen Con and play in our games while we're here. Yes. Um. Yeah. And seek us out and wherever we uh, say we're going to be running games. I'll be running at Dragon Con. If you didn't make it to Gen Con, you guys down the south. I've got like you know six games running because they made me do six, three twice as much. You know, suffer for my badge at DragonCon as they do here at JetCon, and uh, but but if you uh, no matter what, I mean, you know, if you like our games and you're having trouble finding players, you know, most of us take Skype players into our games. We would love to have you be included. So please, don't ever think that you can't play any of our games because there's no local gaming group interested in it. Get in contact with us at, on our boards, at uh, at the Facebook pages, TriTech Gamers, uh, the uh, Friends of, of the uh, Tri-Tech, TriTech Podcast, Podcast uh, Bureau 13, Ages Anywhere, uh, Fringeworthy, uh, or even just a straight TriTech game site. We've got the, the boards over at TriTechGamers.com. And even our Yahoo groups are still in existence. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and you can always call, you know, uh, me or, or any of the guys off of our Tri Tech Podcast. Uh, uh, it's called tritechsystems.podcast.com, which of course On is piece. a lot easier for you to get to by just typing TriTech Podcast into Google uh, or whatever your search engine is and go to the About page. It's got contact numbers for us. We would love to answer any question you have or help you in any way. To keep you involved and make you more involved in our games.
0: Don't forget, you can always go to Amazon or not Amazon. You go to uh, iTunes iTunes
1: and leave us some feedback. Hopefully, hopefully a five-star review because we we we've earned it. (laughs) And uh, we we love you. We
0: really do. The more (laughs) reviews we get, the further up the list we get pushed, and the more visibility we have. And we
3: already have done. Episodes on answering listener mail so you know that we accept your feedback and play, you know, play off you guys
1: to further more
3: podcasts. So we yeah. do even
1: full shows of email. That's right. We, yes. It says we value our community. So get make yourself heard, please. And I think that's gonna do it. Alright, so see ya from Gen Con 2013. We'll see you next year. Good
0: night, guys. Hi, guys. It's a long. Yo, the Tri Games podcast belongs to the bad
2: mother. Shut you down. At Tri Games. Listen up, you brothers. The Tri Games podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons
0: attribution, non commercial, no derivative 3.0 license. So don't go to anything bad or we'll hunt you down. We are some bad.